Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. 
Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from Cairo in Egypt. Taking your calls at 888-887-3837. That's 888-88-PETER. And if you can't get through on the phones, you know the drill. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question or problem. We'll solve it right here on the air. We'll do that throughout this show. Now, why am I saying I'm, I feel safe and I'm not worried? Because I do feel safe and I'm not worried. For those of you who are regular listeners to this program, you know that we come from Egypt about once every 15 or 16 months. It's uh, one of those destinations that continues to draw me back, and for all the obvious reasons, uh, not the least of which is how fascinating this is for those of us who are uh, failed history majors, but more important than that, civilization majors. Uh, Imagine Cairo alone at 204 square miles, population of nearly 7 million people, a population that's doubled since 1960, and yet uh, the infrastructure is here to give you, to enable you to have an amazing experience, not just here, but throughout the rest of the country. And for those of you who are worried about safety, I was here during Tahrir Square, during the Arab Spring, and four blocks away from Tahrir Square, nothing was going on. And in Luxor, nothing was going on, and uh, not really much was going on in Alexandria. Uh Ground Zero was to here to Rear Square, and, and, and it got crazy, no doubt about it, uh, as it expected to get crazy. And uh, now things are changing. The Muslim Brotherhood is out. President Sisi, former Army General, current Army General, actually, is in. Elections are upcoming. And uh, the economy is starting to rebound. And what is the economy? Well, can you name one thing that Egypt produces that the world consumes in quantity? Now, if you said Egyptian cotton, you'd be technically correct, but it doesn't really register as much as you think. The answer is travel and tourism. And let me give you a report on the the reality of it right now, as well as why you need to come now. It's all timing. You know, you're dealing with a contrarian traveler here who doesn't believe in things like the off-season, unless if I'm going somewhere during the off-season. You know, Egypt had... In 2008, 9 and 10, 15 million visitors. Now it's down to 9, 8. In Luxor, there are at least 250 boats on the Nile. You know how many are operating right now? Maybe five. How ridiculous is that? Uh, Go to Karnak, the Temple at Karnak, or the Valley of the Kings, and you're it. I had a very sad experience as a consumer, I had a great experience, but I also had a sort of an emotionally sad experience in, the, uh, in, in one of the markets in Luxor where I was bargaining with one of the merchants, and which, of course, is part of the dance. It's what you do. And I looked at him. I said, come on, give me your best price. And he said, look around. You're the only person here. I can only give you my worst price. And that's what we're talking about. I'm one of those guys who believes in the light, in the beauty of light when it comes to travel. So whether it's the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal, or, of course, the pyramids of Giza out in Saqqara. I believe in leaving my hotel at 4.30 in the morning and getting out there before the sun rises so I can absolutely experience that moment uh, and, and, have that, and have that thing all to myself. And so, guess what? That's what I did yesterday morning. I got up 4.30 in the morning and went out to uh, not the pyramids in Giza, but the pyramids, the, the pyramids in Saqqara. And 
It's something I do as a ritual every time I come because it's just so magical. Only this time it was different. When I got out there, I'm not exaggerating. I was the only guy there. And a little bit later in the morning, uh, my camera team wanted to go see Giza. I said, great. They got there at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, usually a very crowded time. And with very, very few exceptions, they were the only ones there. So this is truly uh, the time to go. Uh, You will not be treated better. People are literally thrilled to see you. In the markets, you'll probably get their worst price. Um, And a country that is striving for stability, but understands at the base of it all that their stability also is driven economically by travel and tourism. And it's something that shouldn't be ignored. It's uh, and, and such an amazing opportunity to see a place without crowds, without lines, and with, and with better service. So uh, I'm just telling, and we'll be talking about this throughout the show, uh, about the things that you didn't expect that are available to you. Hey, let's do some emails real fast. Here's one from Paul Levy. He said, hello, Peter. My family's from Ketchikan, Alaska, and we are planning on taking a trip to Hawaii. Are there any tips on getting cheap flights? Does the time of year we book make a difference? Right now we are looking at traveling in September, but our plans are flexible. Well, get it, you, you've only picked two of the most expensive city pairs in the United States, Alaska and Hawaii. However, not that not everybody realizes that Alaska Airlines flies to Hawaii. So you got half the battle won. Uh, and obviously you'd probably fly from Seattle or from Anchorage. But most of the time you'll get more flights out of Seattle than you will from Anchorage. And you asked there was a question about whether the time of year makes a difference. Well, it does. Uh, And the time of year that makes a difference is now. Uh, You're after President's Weekend and before Easter. Uh, The same thing would apply in September and October. You mentioned September. Um, And I would say probably the fourth week in September, going into the first week in October, because uh, nobody will be flying back with kids. Kids will be back in school. Now, having said that, if you want to go now then book it now. But if you want to go in September, don't book it now because the airline computers are not really set up to give you a discount. Based on their on their algorithms and on their market profiling, they know how many people flew last September and the September before, and that's how they base their price quotes for this September. But if those numbers don't hold up 45 to 54 days out, that's when they start dropping the price. So if you want to go in September, I'd start looking around the 20th to the 25th of July and if there is going to be a discount, that's where you're probably uh, going to find it. And uh, and then, of course, the question remains, where do you want to go? And you didn't tell me if it's been the first time ever. Uh, obviously, flights to Honolulu from Alaska are the way to go. And then pick just one other neighbor island and try not to do too much during your stay. If you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us all a favor and put on your mask first. I've been coming to Egypt, as you heard earlier in the show, for nearly 40 years. Yes, I am that old. But what I've seen in a consistent way is something that may or may not surprise you, but it's a fact. 
Egypt is one of 93 countries that really depends on travel and tourism for the bulk of their GDP, uh, or at least a, a large chunk of it. And when you don't have that, your economy suffers. Um, I remember coming here in, in, the, in the 70s where it was jammed because it's, it's on everybody's bucket list. Everybody wants to see Egypt. We studied it in school, and, and there's the, the mythology of it all, the mystery of it all. And, and then we come, and then all of a sudden, there's a problem. The Arab Spring, powerful video images that you see on television. Uh, you may remember we broadcast this show a number of times from Tahrir Square, and nothing happened. Okay, yes. Was there, were there demonstrations? Yes. Did it get somewhat violent? Yes. What was happening four blocks away? Not much. And yet, the worst four-letter word that starts with F, fear, people went away. And they didn't necessarily come back. On the Nile, 300 tour boats that operate normally went down to 10%. Actually, worse than that, went down to 10, 3%. Now it's back up to 10%, about 30. You know what that means? Now's the time to come. Why? I'm a contrarian traveler. Who wants to stand in line? Not me. I want great service. I want great deals. I want a great experience. That's what you get in Egypt right now. On, the, uh, on CBS this morning, a few weeks ago, I named Egypt as one of the places to visit in 2015. And, the, and one of the overriding reasons was precisely that one. It's the time to go when you're not going to be, you know, a tourist. You're going to actually experience it as a traveler. Joining me now, the CEO of Insight Vacations, John Bolding. John, you've been doing Insight Vacations since 1997. You've seen travel to this part of the world boom, and you've also seen it bust. Um, where are we right now? We're in a situation, Peter, that is uh, really the springboard to getting Egypt back on track for us. It's been a huge part of our business over the years, and now's the time we'll start this back on track again. I mean, let's go back to 2010, uh, Mubarak leaves, Arab Spring. You flatlined. I mean, people just, it was over. because. And one of the reasons, that I don't think people understand, as safe as it is, and it was safe then, by the way, and we came and broadcast from uh, one of the ships on the, on the Nile then. But as safe as it was, the reason why it folded so badly is because of liability insurance. People couldn't get coverage, meaning the tour operators couldn't get coverage. And without that coverage, their own attorneys said to them, are you nuts? You have to fold up. And that's what they did, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We mothballed the fleets and uh, uh, went into hibernation on Egypt. That's a very sad very sad truth. And that took place for a period of at least four years. Yes, it did. It did. Um, now is the time, though. Now is the resurgence, I believe. And where are you seeing it coming from? Because my fellow Americans tend to use the word fear rapidly and, yeah. and, and rather well. Uh, are the Americans coming back? Yeah, they are. It's small numbers at the moment, Peter. I, I'm here now because this is the first uh, trip that we've come back with, uh, our Wonders of Egypt trip. And we have a smattering of people from all over the world on this, you know, from, from the States, from Canada, Australia, New Zealand. So, uh, so the pioneers, so to speak. The pioneers, yes, yes. The early adopters of, of the resurgence, yeah, that's right. Uh, but you still need to get the word out there. I mean, I, I always look at, 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 uh, at countries like Egypt that depend so, so pre you know, almost predominantly on travel and tourism that when they have a change of government, the one portfolio they try never to touch is Minister of Tourism simply because they can't mess with that. It's, it's too important. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you look at Greece uh, this last year, 2014, they had their biggest ever tour or a year of tourism uh, since uh, history began, really, in, in uh, modern tourism. And it's really helped their economy. And I think that that is something that can happen here, too. You know, a resurgence of, 
uh, Egyptian tourism will make radical change to the well-being of the people in Egypt. And you know, you really can look at cause and effect. It does put food on the table. It does create jobs. It literally feeds people. Yes, it does. And and when you're in a, in a country that is by its by its nature so hospitable, uh, when you take that away from people, mm. there's a certain desperation because they don't have a, a plan B. I mean, plan A is really travel and tourism. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? We've been speaking with John Bolding, the CEO of Insight Vacations, about the ebb and flow, if you will, and it's been radical, of tourism in the region and especially in in, in Egypt. I mean, when you have 300 boats on the Nile and only 10 are operating, that's, that's essentially zero. Yeah, it is in reality. Yes, it is. It's such a small proportion. Um, and... I mean, I think we can be thankful that we've kept our fleet alive. Although it's been mothballed, it's been kept alive. Our partners here and our business has been very focused on making sure during the downtime we were able to keep the crews on board the ships, feeding their families. So you didn't lay anybody off? No, no. Um, uh, we, we allowed people to take other employment, obviously, if they found other employment. But um, uh, uh, really, the reality is that, that a lot of people were uh, loyal to us because of the, the way we helped help them, I think, through this period. And down in Luxor, what's what's amazing, and I, I remember a, a story not too long ago of going to the pyramids, and, you know, for me, it's the time of the day that you go. I'm a big fan of uh, dawn, you know, or pre-dawn. Uh, by noon, there's every tour bus in the world with guys on camels selling postcards. Um, and from a photo opportunity point of view, you don't want to take any pictures at noon. It, it wipes it out. I mean, but the point is, last year coming here, right, Go to the pyramids any time of the day, and nobody's there. Yeah, and it's it's still true right now. I mean, if you come to Egypt this year, 2015, you'll have the benefit of this amazing uh, uh, lack of lack of people uh, that 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 will give you access to the tombs, to the great sites, really without the crowds. An incredible thing to see. Now, the traffic in Cairo is still the traffic in Cairo. Yeah, that, that, that never and changes. And by the way, automobile horns are only ornamental. They don't do anything, but they love to hit them. Yeah. I remember a story, John. I was in New York. In, in Manhattan, and I, I was in a taxi, drive, a taxi cab, and the driver was Egyptian. And we get to the light, and the light is red, and there's nobody there. He's just honking the horn. And I'm saying, no, excuse me, can you see this? The light is red. Why are you honking the horn? He says, you don't understand. I said, what? He says, oh, no, I honk the horn. The light hears me. The light changes. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden the light turned green. He says, you see? I went, oh, no. Oh, no, please don't do this. But that's Egypt, boy. You, you want to hear a cacophony of horns, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There are lots of stories about traffic lights. I know the one about Italy where the, uh, um, in, if you travel in Milan, the traffic lights are... Uh, uh, the law, it's a compulsory. If you go to Rome, then they're advisory. If you go to Naples, they're Christmas decorations. So. <laughs> well, 
Well, then there's, of course, the first rule of Italian driving. You know what that is? What's behind me, it's not important. <laughs> so good luck. Of course, the translation of that is, please don't run a car in Italy. You're going to be in trouble. I mean, have somebody else drive you and then close your eyes because it's, it's crazy. But let's get back to, 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 to Egypt. Okay, that's the situation of the pyramids. But in Luxor, I mean, you've got the temples. They're empty. Yeah, they are. Yeah, we, we 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 went around the other night looking at the temples with the group that we have here, and uh, just to be standing there with the illuminated columns in these colossal uh, uh, temples and, and experiencing it with just able to take pictures, you know, pictures that were not full of people standing there, just an incredible thing to see. Uh, I, I was tweeting away very happily, uh, hashtag insight moments to. Uh, to, to try and capture some of this, and you can see it up there on, online. I mean, the bottom line is, if you're a contrarian traveler, you don't want, I'm, I'm a, I define contrarian travel in a number of ways. One, I love the off-season. I think the, the on-season is a myth just like the off-season is. I want to go someplace where nobody else is going to go. If somebody says to me, why would you go there? We don't go there. I go, that's the reason I want to go, yeah. right? I remember years ago, I said to, to a bunch of Australian friends, I got to get down to Hobart in Tasmania. I said, mm. We don't even go there. Say, that's why I'm yeah. going. And of course, what's the hottest place in Australia now? Tasmania, right? Right. Same thing in terms of time of the year. I mean, there's a lot to be said. I know about why you wouldn't want to necessarily go to Palm Springs in August, or why you wouldn't want to go to Alaska in February. But there are a lot of reasons that would compel you to go because it's about the experience you're going to get and the people you're going to meet. Yeah, it is. It is. I think one of the nice things about the classical aspect of Egypt, you know, traveling on the Nile and staying in Cairo, coming up to Luxor, Aswan, and so on is that you really can, from a ship, get out and see those desks because they're right by the Nile. Is it? There's no long shore excursion to do. They're, they're, all the sites are right there. And, and you're going uh, on a pace that's, that's not crazy. Absolutely, yeah. And, and as you said about timing, you know, you can be there at dawn, you can be there at dusk and, and see the sites in the, with this incredible uh, you know, d aspect. What's the upside to all of this right now? Because you're literally just uh, turning the corner. It's been four years of hibernation, if you will, an economic, basically, <laughs> coma, right? Yeah. So how fast can you come at, can, can it build back? I think you can build back quite quickly. Um, clearly, long-haul travelers coming in do have to plan vacation time and make sure they're able to take, uh, you know, what is effectively a 10-day vacation, 10, 14, 18-day vacation to come here and do it properly. Um, but my goodness, you know, when you, when you get here, you get the benefit of the great deals that are there. Hey, let's not uh, forget the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar, yeah. The U.S. dollar is very powerful right now. And if you're an American traveler heading overseas, and uh, especially to places like Egypt, the value is uh, tremendous. It's not a bucket and spade, as we say in the U.K. It's not a bucket and spade destination. It's not cheap as a you know, place to go, but it's about the value that you get when you're here. It's incredible value here right now. Amazing. John Bolding, the CEO of Insight Vacations. Thanks for joining us. By the way, that music means we're out of time for this hour. But we got a whole lot more coming when we return from Cairo as Peter Greenberg returns right after this. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. My, uh, my next guest, you know, I hate saying I'm older, but I'd like saying I'm wiser. Um, <laughs> I've known him too long. We go back, God, over 12 years uh, to New Orleans. And when he had one restaurant, how many do you have now? Uh, about 12 of them. As I said. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember the days, it was August. 
That's right. And and uh, John Besh is his name. And and then of course two years later, after we did a couple of our shows in New Orleans, and this is really where I'm really feeling older. We're coming up on the 10th anniversary right. of Katrina. Right I mean, to corner. me, it's like mind-boggling that it was 10 years ago, John. It's incredible how much we've come, how far we've come in 10 years, and. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. I, I never, in my wildest dreams, imagined us being where we are now. And, and uh, well, it's I go a back to, to the interview I did with you. I mean, New Orleans at that point was essentially underwater. Uh, your employees had to be were displaced. Uh, many of them, you know, so many. I, I, I was bumping into people all over the United States who had permanently moved from New Orleans and didn't come back. Your guys came back. Most of your guys came right. back. Right. You know. I, a lot of good friends to place him with, uh, you know, Michelle Richard to uh, Danielle Ballou to uh, Rick Tremonto in Chicago. We just started to adopt, you know, became the, these surrogate homes for all of our, all of our people. And so ultimately we knew it was really important to get back into business as soon as possible. And to do that, um, we needed, you know, the, our labor force to come back. And so we developed um, a system where we would, house people in our restaurant literally putting putting them up on the uh, third and fourth floors of the restaurant old banquet rooms turned into housing in order to get people back in and it turned out to be a blessing and you know new orleans is after all a community i mean at the end of the day you know and you found that out very quickly at that point uh you know giving all the crazy stuff about what's going on or not going on with the federal government the assistance and stuff I mean, if you went back to New Orleans today, and I've been back many, many times, uh, hard-pressed, other than certain still areas of the Ninth Ward and maybe St. Bernard's Parish and stuff that where there's still work to be done, even today, uh, you've come back. Oh, it's amazing. I think we're not only back, but we're in a better position than we ever have been before, from housing to public transportation to schools. I mean, all across the board, we are in a much better place than we ever had been. And you've gone from more than one restaurant now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, funny that you mention it, but as you know, there was just this vacuum. We lost much of, you know, many of the businesses in downtown New Orleans. And uh, as the city began to come back and resurrect, if you will, um, there was a void. And I moved into places where people had moved out. And it was really important for me to, you know, there were, as a citizen, as a resident, as somebody fighting to keep this culture alive, I wanted to make sure that we were there on the forefront doing so. I mean, what people don't realize, and I, and I, and I yell at this all the time, I really do. I mean, travel and tourism, largest industry in the world, one mm -hmm. out of every 10 jobs. It's, if you look globally, it's 10% of global GDP. That is staggering. And, and there are like 93 countries out there that if they didn't have travel and tourism, they'd have to fold up the tents. We saw that right after 9-11. So many countries in trouble because it just dried up like that, right? You, you were faced with that in New Orleans, too. Sure. Well, we lost not only our city and, you know, the surrounding, you know, 200 some odd miles around us, you know, was virtually just uh, obliterated, uh, especially the 90 miles closer, you know, to New Orleans along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so we were, you know, hit with such a, you know, a huge, you know, it was just a uh, how do you deal with something like of, of that magnitude? And what, what ultimately found out is that people made all the difference. It wasn't a government. It wasn't a program. It wasn't this or that. But people, you know, had the resolve to make sure that they stood their ground to rebuild a city, uh, to rebuild a state, to rebuild the entire region. And ironically enough, it was 
those in the hospitality sector of the economy that, that really rose to the forefront. Right. And you guys, look, it's, it's the resilient aspect of the travel industry. I mean, you guys bounce back first. It's interesting how that works out, but it, you know, you, you can look back even at Miami, same thing happened there. And uh, Charleston, same thing happened there. And so uh, after these hurricanes come through and they will come through from time to time and you have oftentimes it is that hospitality tourism industry that is on the forefront of the rebuilding effort but you're always i'm not saying it's about new orleans or louisiana in general or specifically but if you look at it in a, in a larger perspective there's always that challenge to convince government leaders of the importance of travel and tourism i mean or the importance that, of culture period well oh, and yeah, so that's what i've been fighting for but i mean if you think about it the united states government on the federal level is the only country of our size right that doesn't have a ministerial or cabinet level minister of tourism or secretary of tourism. Now they've started with Brand USA now to market the US overseas and that's done great work. There's just no doubt about that. But on a local level it's up to the individual stakeholders to do it. Right. And I think that in our case we've been blessed to have a state that really had its priorities in 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 shape and so um, to have leaders within the state that are on the forefront of marketing the state for tourism. We know what we're good at in Louisiana. We're good at throwing a party. And, <laughs> and, and frankly- And it doesn't always have to be on Bourbon Street. That's right. No, it's almost never on Bourbon Street. You know, we have 400 if you, some listen, odd If you're looking for a great party in New state, Orleans, right. don't go to Bourbon Street. I'm exactly. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you just go right down the block to uh, you know Frenchman Street. Yeah. It was a great example of just that. That's where the locals go. Right. But uh, Okay, wait, stop right there. Where do you go? Where do you go when you're not eating at your restaurants? When you're not going to some, you know, to a big party, where do you like to hang out? That's not necessarily in the brochure or in the guidebook that you would recommend people like go see. You know, I love those dives. I love. I think New Orleans. Give me a dive then. South Louisiana is known for places where you can go to any street corner and get a great po' boy. I love places like Parkway po' boys on Bayou St. John. I love Dookie Chase Restaurant, one of the you know, most historic restaurants in this country, given the fact of what it is and what it stands for. I love the fact that right around the corner you got Willie Mae's Scotch House, some of the finest fried chicken you've ever had i love galatoires in the quarter well that yeah and be sure to wear a jacket and <laughs> exactly or they'll give you one well, they'll, they'll they give will, you one they will and, hand and you, you will one. look like a buffoon in it oh and, and it's never your size trust and me and then you know just just traveling across the state you know i i'm an avid hunter and fisher and so i know like during duck season i'll drive to gate on louisiana and i'll make my stop at the boudin place here i'll get some crackling there and i'll put on 10 pounds in the process and eat very very well and it doesn't always have to be blackened. <laughs> it's almost never blackened either. That's right. See, that's a myth. <laughs> it's, it's a myth, isn't it? We like our redfish in a cubion. Explain that. Uh, you know, when I was a kid going fishing, grew up on Bayou Liberty, where I still live today, I'd catch a speckled trout. That trout would come home. Mom would make trout on Medine. And if I caught a redfish, that redfish would be slow cooked with a lot of onions and garlic and celery, little white wine, some tomatoes, a pinch of allspice. If we had some crab meat, that would be tossed in, some oysters, some shrimp, and let that stew together. And the French would call this a cubillon. And in Louisiana, we just call it a cubillon. <laughs> And so I, I thought it was named after the Cuvions just down the street, but that wasn't the case. So I later learned. All right. So, but you talk about places you take, you go outside, other than Dookie Chases, right? But I mean, mm -hmm. what, where else in New Orleans? Oh, New Orleans. I love in the east of, you have a Vietnamese community called Versailles. And I love the 
Bamian restaurant. I love the Tandins and the the places that you know are really off the radar. I think we have a very vibrant Vietnamese community. And, and yet, if you talk best, to most people about going to New Orleans, that doesn't right, never on their never radar. Never, we never know right. of it. Right. And most New Orleanians probably don't realize where you have to go to get the really good Vietnamese food. And so it's fun. Uh, these little places that are kind of uh, you know, out there on the fringes of New Orleans and uh, just so, so delicious. Now, as we approach the 10th anniversary, we know all the things that have been done. And, and to bring everything back together, mm-hmm. what still has yet to be done? Yeah, there's certain things, Peter, that nobody really talks about like there's certain areas that maybe shouldn't have been uh, you know swamps that shouldn't have been filled in and probably aren't the best places and to actually have neighborhoods and some of these neighborhoods just really haven't come back others have and I, what i'm really hopeful about are places like the bywater all the way to the ninth ward there's a stretch there that um, young people have really moved into young progressive people from all around the country coming there to make a difference. We're seeing urban farms like we've never seen before, and you know, and, and small groceries and and uh, restaurants like I'd never had in my lifetime in these areas. That's why it's so beautiful. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now our radio clearance over. That's clearance over. Over. Roger. Huh? This segment of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Greater Fort Lauderdale. Visit sunny.org for more information and say hello to Sunny. I'm joined by a very interesting man who came up through the ranks of the Army, as a matter of fact. We still call him the General, uh, General Turek Said Aladin, who is the Governor of Luxor. Governor, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. You know, you and I have had some conversations prior to talking on the radio, and and I've been coming to Egypt since I was about 25 years old. The last time I was here, Luxor was crowded. Now it's not. Uh, after 2010, everything sort of just like disappeared on you. You have a big challenge. Yeah, that's right. We try to bring the tourists back to Luxor uh, by a lot of things we do. We visited uh, some ambassadors. We went to uh, London. To we went to Berlin in ITB and uh, also in WTM. We try to convince uh, all the tourists in all the world that uh, Luxor is safe and Luxor uh, nothing happened there and uh, everything. Uh, they have a lot of monuments. Um, uh, should be uh, seen by all the people in the world. But, you know, it's interesting. Every country have their, has their own foreign office. We have the State Department in the United States. And they put out advisories. Some even put out warnings saying, don't go to Egypt. Because the media, uh, the Western media, uh, show Egypt that there is a fighting in the street, and this is not true. As you see, you came here and you find all all things is very nice, no problem at all. And this is what happened in Luxor. Nothing happened, no demonstration, no violence, nothing happened in Luxor. And yet what happened in Tahrir Square, and by the way, I was there, I mean, those images, those visual images are very powerful. Yeah, that's right, because uh, if you... You were in the army, you know. Yeah, that I know. If you look to the one kilometer, square meter in a place in Cairo, like uh, uh, Tahrir Square, and you say that Egypt have a lot of violence, 
It's just uh, one square uh, meter, one kilometer square. And yet if I go down the Nile in Luxor, what do I see? I see dozens and dozens of boats tied up going nowhere. That's right. But uh, now we're starting. Uh, we have about 255 uh, boats. Uh, now we're starting about uh, working right now. It's about uh, 70 or 80. So it's uh, starting. Boats. Starting this starting course. I mean, we, we saw one boat, uh, the Tosca, which uh, uh, went out, in fact, today um, for the first time in four years. And uh, it only had 30 people, but it's a start. Yeah, so, that's so, right. so, so my position would be, wow, what a great time to come to Egypt. You not only get on the boat, you own the boat. It's your boat, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What's the biggest surprise when people first come to Luxor that they're not expecting to see? Uh, you know, the, 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 they're, 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 obviously they're expecting to see the Valley of the Kings, they're expecting to see uh, you know, the Temple of Karnak, but what's the thing that surprises them the most? I think, uh, I think uh, the tombs, the tombs in the uh, Western Bank is very in interesting and very important to see. Like Tutankhamun tomb, like uh, City tomb, City the First, and like uh, Nivertari tomb. This is a surprise. You can find the colors still shining so far. Now, I'll tell you what surprises me. What surprises me is that you've only unearthed, you've only uncovered a small percentage of what's really out there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's staggering when you think that it, in the last 200 years, through the work of, at one point, the British Museum and other archaeologists, your own archaeologist, our good friend Zahi Hawass. I mean, you've only still managed to uncover a small percentage of what's really out there. Yeah, that's right. We discovered a new things uh, in this year, I think. I assumed the control uh, from uh, one year and three months. And uh, we discovered uh, in this uh, time a lot of things we discovered Amunhotep uh, the the temple and we uh, we discovered the biggest statue it's about the height 13 uh, meters uh, and the Germany mission uh, uh, repair it and uh, lifted it and you can see in the Western Bank a new two statue very big beside the Memnon uh, statues. And the excavations continue? Yeah, continue. And the Avenue, uh, Sphinx Road, we... we okay, let's talk working. about that. Yeah. That's amazing to me. You know, when you first come into Luxor, and I'm saying for the very first time, I mean, not, I mean, it repeats itself when you come back, but when you cross that bridge and you look to either side, and there's just endless Sphinxes. That's right, yeah. How many? Uh, it's more than 1,000. A thousand of them. Yeah, thousand. Because the, the way itself, it's uh, about uh, two kilometers, seven hundred meters, you know, and it is uh, connected between the Karnak Temple and the Luxor Temple. And uh, when Ramses was visiting uh, uh, his wives, they go to in a very big parade and uh, celebration to go to to visit Luxor from Karnak to Luxor. And that was the way they went. Yeah, we we start uh, to doing uh, excavation for uh, some zones, uh, but we stopped because we we have some other problems. They need some money. They need funds to continue. But you know they're there. You know they're there. Yeah, that's the most amazing thing. General Tariq Said Aldin, the governor of Luxor. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate You're that. More than You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. 
Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, and you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know, kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love because you're the long distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.